Hello and welcome to another episode of That Sports Guy's podcast. I am Craig Forrestal. I am That Sports Guy. Go ahead and find me on Twitter at that underscore sports underscore guy, where you can find all of my latest football takes. Also, NFLDraftDiamonds.com is proud to feature the That Sports Guy podcast on its website. Stop by NFLDraftDiamonds.com, your official draft coverage king. Hello and welcome back, Craig Forstall, aka That Sports Guy. This is That Sports Guy's podcast. Go ahead and find me on Twitter at that underscore sports underscore guy. Going to jump into a little bit of golf. We're talking the match part two, where it was Team Tiger and Payton versus Team Phil and Tom Brady. They were able to uh, secure a one-up victory. That is Tiger and Payton coming out victorious at the Medalist Golf Club in Hope Sound, Florida, just north of West Palm Beach. Before we get into the competitive juices and uh, the trash talk that went on and everything that was so great about the event, I wanted to talk about the weather. Uh, I'm in Port St. Lucie, which is about a half hour north or so from Hope Sound. So the the weather here yesterday on Sunday afternoon, right before the Memorial Day holiday, was uh, not the best. Often often on storms for the better part of the day. Um, Pretty good winds that came with those storms at times, too. Uh, So Peyton and Tom, I think they did a great job adjusting to the weather. Uh, Phil and Tiger as well. Um, Those guys were just battling out there in the elements. And it was just so good to see true competition like that in the elements after so much time away. I think it just added to the... I guess the buildup and the anticipation of these four athletic legends uh, pairing up together for a good cause, raising money for the COVID-19 coronavirus relief fund, um, able to bring in $20 million. They were, uh, while they were playing their round of golf. So it it was a tremendous event. They were able to do it in the weather, like I said. And and for me, that added to it. It, You got to see the guys battle it out there in the rain and, you know, wiping their faces with, you know, carrying the towel, having the the water drip off the tip of the hat. I mean, it it was everything. It was movie-esque, and I think it's what we needed for the welcome back of competition and of sports. And, uh... I mean, there's no, there's no way around it. Tom Brady got off to a rough start, and uh, Twitter was quick to notice, as it might have been the first time and only time in 20 years of Tom Brady's professional existence that you've had the opportunity to jump on him for a lackluster performance. Um, but he quickly shut everyone up come the seventh hole where his shot landed and then spun back in. And it was probably the shot of the day, if we're being honest, we're going to call it as we should. Um, and then just the excitement and the joy uh, as he was getting, you know, a, a ribbing leading up to that shot. Uh, once the ball rolled in, he had a little bit of noise to to give back to Charles Barkley, who I thought was a tremendous addition on the telecast, even talking about uh, him wanting to join the, the Medalist Golf Club, possibly if Capital One came up with more commercial opportunities. But even him, Charles Barkley got in on the action. There was a, a Charles Barkley challenge, bogey or better. Uh, he was able to go ahead. They showed that once the round was uh, done with. Uh, unfortunately, the Chuckster did not come out victorious. He he was not able to bogey or better on his one-hole challenge. Um, 
But it was just fun stuff like that throughout the course of the day. And Justin Thomas uh, riding along, he was funny, he was insightful, he kept the mood light. Um, I thought it was everything that we needed. Uh, Russell Wilson with the donations of the mules and uh, so many other, you know, people getting involved in throwing in additional uh, ways to contribute to the fun through, you know, impromptu uh, almost challenges, bets, whatever you want to call them. Uh, as they were brought in to talk, you know, uh, about their situation and just how they've handled the the enormity and the abnormal abnormal circumstances that are around their, a lot of their training situations. J.J. Uh, Watt spoke about how this is pretty similar to the lockout season, um, so he has a little bit of a an idea or a little bit of experience to draw back on uh, when it comes to having to be on your own out of the facility lack of team contact because of the coronavirus uh, situation. But uh, Peyton Manning too, I thought it was great uh, on the par three challenge, the hole in one challenge for $25 million. Uh, I mean, all four of the guys came up just short of the hole. They all had tremendous lays, uh, you know, after their first shot, but it was Peyton. Peyton came 17 inches away uh, from sneaking it into the hole. Would have been a hole in one. Uh, like I said, on the 16th hole challenge, uh, it was a par three. The hole in one challenge would have paid out $25 million. Uh, and Peyton Manning came uh, just short, 17 inches short. It was, uh, if the course had been in a little bit better condition, had been battling the elements off and on throughout the day. Uh, we might have had ourselves a, uh, a $25 million uh, payout uh, had that taken place. But again, it was competitive. It was interesting. It filled the void. It gave everybody a little bit of something. Whether you're a football fan, a Brady fan, a golf fan, uh, you're just someone that likes the action and you're just in it for the Vegas odds. There was a little bit of everything going on yesterday. Uh, so I think that it really was a great way to welcome back sports. And if I could just make one suggestion, if we could have Samuel L. Jackson just do the intros for every sporting event from now until the end of time, uh, I think that would be the way to go. I thought that he did a great job on the first hole um, with, with those four guys and saying a little something about all of them uh, and, and bringing them onto the course. And, of course, he uh, had, had a little bit of a joke for Tom Brady saying something along the lines of, why is it that all old people move down to Florida, uh, poking a little fun at him coming down to Tampa from uh, the Boston area this offseason. Uh, but once again, this is Craig Forrestal. This is That Sports Guys Podcast. You were just listening to my take on the match part two, Tiger and Peyton Manning versus Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady. Once again, Tiger and Peyton secured a one-up victory at the Medalist Golf Club in Hope Sound, Florida on Sunday afternoon, right before Memorial Day Monday. And it was a wonderful event, great way to usher in sports, and I can't wait for more opportunities just like it. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. That Sports Guys podcast, Craig Forstall. And I want to talk about why I believe the NCAA announcing June 1st as the return date for athletic activities as the way to save the NCAA. And I'll tell you why. According to a Washington University report commissioned by ESPN, 
schools in the Power Five conferences stood to lose somewhere around $4 billion if football was not played in 2020. Yes, $4 billion. B-I-L-L-O-N. $4 billion if football was not played in 2020. That's a lot of money to let sit on a table. And if we're talking about the two sports that turn the most profit at a majority of universities, it's going to be men's basketball and it's going to be football. Those are generally the only two profitable sports that a college carries. Generally, not always, generally. And you have to wonder just how much of that hit would have a trickle-down effect and cause closure. What do I mean by closure? Florida Tech, a Division II school in Melbourne, Florida, announced that they would no longer carry a football team. Urbana University, another Division II school, they followed suit, folded as well. You have to wonder if the NCAA was looking at this as a way to save major college football. I don't know if they're looking at at it as a way to save the FCS. I don't know if they're looking at it as a way to save smaller FBS conferences like the Sun Belt or the MAC. But I know that Alabama is not going to let that money sit. Clemson is not going to let that money sit. Texas is not going to let that money sit. LSU is not going to let that money sit. You name me any school in the Power Five conferences, and I will tell you that they're not going to let that money sit. And now maybe there are some schools within the Power Five conferences that do need the season to take place so they don't become the next Florida Tech and have to dismantle the football program. It's a sad truth. It's a sad reality that these student-athletes have to face now. Not only was their their world turned upside down overnight with leaving campus and uh, athletics being shut down and and everything else that came along with the, the closure that took place due to the COVID-19 outbreak. But to have it opening up again on June 1st, and I'm coming to you Monday, Memorial Day Monday, May 25th, and you can go ahead and you can go ahead and look up that, that story I'm telling you about with Washington University, and it came out just a handful of days ago. Now, I'm not saying that the NCAA took this and was like, oh my God, we didn't know. Maybe they knew, maybe they didn't know. But I just, I'm not saying this was done completely for the dollar, but I'm saying if I had to throw 51%, at least, if I had to throw a majority one way or the other, I'm throwing my majority on the dollar bill. Now, there have been initiatives that have taken place. Certain colleges are restricting ticket sales. Uh, that way they can accommodate social distancing guidelines and protocols and things that follow suit on that end. 
and that's wonderful and that's great. And I love that they're trying to get fans back into the stadium. But look, see, we've gone from no fans in the stadium at all to now well, we'll only sell a select number of tickets because we'll follow the guidelines of social distancing this way. I once had a really smart guy tell me, one is always more than zero. So if Clemson can only sell half of their tickets, or two-thirds of their tickets, or 40%, or whatever it is, it's more than zero. So even though they won't get the money to come in that they did last season with sellouts and all that other stuff, you're still going to be selling tickets. And that's vital because what happens then once you're in the stadium? Oh, you got to buy a Coke. Oh, you got to buy a hot dog. Oh, all of a sudden the rain came in and I'm drenched. Now you got to go buy a t-shirt or a sweatshirt. And it all adds up. And I'm not saying the NCAA would have folded if they didn't have football this year. And we still don't know that they're going to have football 100%. But the track seems to be that we're going to have football in some way, shape, or form coming up on Saturdays in the fall. And I'm not so much worried about a second wave or a second outbreak and, you know, a a repeat situation of what we went through. Those aren't my concerns. My concerns are that the colleges are going to try and accommodate the athletes too soon and they're going to try to go from zero to a hundred and it's not going to work. Now, I know that they have talked about phases and different things and all that. But we all know that if college football starts end of August, beginning of September, and it's June 1st, it's go time. It's full throttle. They don't have a whole lot of time to wait. They got to go. They miss spring ball. There's a lot of work to do. So I don't really know what the plan is and how they're going to accommodate that lost time. Because it is time that is needed. You look at a situation like in LSU, right? Joe Burrow is gone. They have to fill the quarterback situation. No spring ball. That way you get a look at, you know, who's there. Now summer camp comes. If there are any freshmen that didn't enroll early or any May JUCO grads that are now coming in for summer camp, Uh, that were in a December grad or whatever the case was. It's a lot of time lost. And I don't know how these schools are going to be able to, A, accommodate the students and make sure that social distancing takes place Because we all know that these students are going to be in meeting rooms, they're going to be in dorm rooms, they're going to be cafeteria, and they can't always be under the watchful eye of the big brother. There will be times where they'll be alone. There will be times where they will, you know, 
knuckle up and shake hands and do whatever else and not be in compliance with social distancing. But is that what we're mainly focused on right now? Is the social distancing aspect of this? Or are we trying to focus on getting a sense of normalcy back? Because I feel that this is a little bit rushed. Uh, I would have loved to have seen a more concrete plan laid out instead of, you know, the SEC saying a week later with June 8th and then the Big Ten letting individual schools, you know, make the decisions at their own pace, at their own comfort level. A uniform plan, I think, would have benefited the entire body. Because now when you look at what's going to happen, it's going to be a staggered approach. There might be some states that are going to lay back because they might be still seeing new cases. And whatever the situation might be. But there should have been something in place for those situations. There should have been a clear-cut, hey, this is what we expect from every single participating school and university. Instead of having this approach where the Big Ten is able to let their own schools make their own decisions. That's just me. Um, I feel that the NCAA may have made a rushed decision in the name of a dollar to save the NCAA from facing tough decisions down the road regarding the futures of certain athletic programs at certain schools because we had seen certain athletic programs fold already at smaller universities. And the effect was eventually going to come, and I think that the NCAA decided that this is what they needed to do. Now, we're going to stay tuned, and we're going to look to see what's going to happen when games start to kick off and all of that, but I hope that this all works out for the best, and it wasn't done in the name of a dollar. I hope this was a well-thought-out plan, and I hope it was something that had been rolling and in motion for a long, long time before, but only time will tell, and I look forward to it. Thank you all for listening. Welcome back, everyone. It's Craig Forstall, and it's That Sports Guys podcast. We all know the deal here now, so I'm going to jump into it. Big Cat from Barstool Sports has started something remarkable, and that is Coach Gus Duggerton. And man, has it been fun following along with his journey and bringing back NCAA football. I, I spent way too much time, more than I would like to admit, as a kid playing that game, recruiting, building schools up from literally nothing. It, it was fun. It was my favorite game as a kid. The The dynasty mode was what I looked forward to every year. I didn't even care that the game barely changed. For me, that game was everything. And it got me thinking with the new naming, imaging, and likeness, you know, agreements and policies that have been struck and that are being finalized, it got me thinking, what would I like to see in the comeback of NCAA football in that series? 
and there's a few things that I would like. It's not a whole bunch of things, but it's a few things I would like. And some of it's in the in the recruiting mode, in in the dynasty. I would like to have more options of players. I would like the prospects. You, they can still be broken down by position, by um, state. That's great. But I would like other filters. I would like filters like this. So you have your positions. You have your states. But then what if there were filters like JUCO? Where instead of going through everybody, you just had all your junior college players right there. And then you had all your high school prospects. What about some international prospects or athlete prospects? You know, maybe maybe a, a basketball player that's six foot four, two hundred pounds, super athletic. Take a shot on him as a wide receiver. Maybe he played football for a year or two in high school. You know, different things like that. Or local kids. You know, maybe some guys that don't have any stars on their name. You know, they they don't hit the recruiting. You know, big board, top, whatever. And then you have your local guys. You know. So say you are Northern Illinois. You go to your local guys listing. There's a guy in Elgin, Illinois, who's just killing it as a senior. You go out, you watch, and then you decide that you want to offer him a scholarship. I feel like that would be a really cool way to go about it, similar to the diamond in the rough feature uh, that they have. Also, when it comes to redshirting players and the development of players, if you recruit a six foot five, two hundred and sixty pound offensive tackle and redshirt him, I think that it should be possible that he gains 25, 30 pounds in a season and then he comes back somewhere in the 290 neighborhood. I feel like if there is a player who it comes in as an overall 76 as a true freshman and he kills it. He's like, you know, second team all conference or whatever. Then I feel like he should be able to get like 11 points better and come back as an 87. Instead of just, you know, that that breakthrough, ooh, he got six points better overall. Now, don't get me wrong, six points better overall, it's nothing that I'm going to complain about, but like true breakouts like that where someone's going to get 10, 12, 13, 15 points better, you know, what if you have a situation where, uh, going back to Big Cat, uh, when he was at Texas Tech, he had a center that was an overall 44, so the next year when that 44 comes back, he should be like a 65, I would like to see the FCS schools in there as well. I would like to be able to start off at, say, North Dakota State and, you know, play there for a little bit, get invited into, say, the MAC, play there for a little bit, get invited to the Big Ten, and do it like that. Now, I know that that's somewhat of an option given – the ability to change conferences, but I would like to do it from the one double A level. And also I would like I would like to see 
a create a school mode where you're able to take a team, start them off on the one AA level, the FCS level, but you have certain benchmarks that you need to hit as a program. So by year three, you know, uh, have a 500 record. So in your third year as a football program, you have to be at a 500 record. I would like to see the transfer system, you know, be used in that game. So as you're building this school, this FCS school, right, do you become a grad transfer hotspot? You know, I would like to see programs have identifiers as well, you know. Maybe this school's great at developing talent. Um, you know, this school sends guys to the pros. This, you know, w- whatever it might be. Um, just letting them have have identifiers, you know. Uh, a, a grad transfer hotspot. A, a transfer hotspot. Um, and then also how, how you're going to build your program, you know. How are you going to prioritize your recruiting? Are you going to prioritize junior college then transfers, then high school. You can prioritize high school. That way you get a way to pick and choose. And then throughout this way as you're building your program and you hit those benchmarks, then you go from being an FCS independent where you're building out your schedule to now you're in the conference, right? And there doesn't need to be like generic schools or whatever. They've had the create a school feature before and we can use it again but I'm just adding another wrinkle to it I would like to see the recruiting battle that takes place for a two-star athlete prospect from Texas when his scholarship offers are my startup program uh, UT San Antonio and Sam Houston State I want to see that. How does that play out? So if you're an athlete, right? How I just brought up with that two-star kid in that scenario. Say he's being recruited as a corner for one school, a wide receiver for another, a running back, quarterback. You have the ability to see what he's being recruited as by these different schools, and then you can recruit him at the position that you want. So say he really wants to play quarterback. There you go. Maybe you you talk to him as a quarterback. He doesn't want to give up playing quarterback just yet. He knows that if he's good enough and athletic enough that he can make the the move to wide receiver or whatever down the road. Once he you know, should he need to do that? Or maybe he wants to come to a smaller school to show everyone, hey, I am a quarterback. And to prove that he's a quarterback. And then also, I would like to see having more player notes, more in-depth player notes, right? So say there's a, you know, you're, you're recruiting the number seven O-tackle in the country. He's from Oklahoma, But I would like to see the bio notes, you know, something where it says, you know, his dad, his dad was an NFL player, you know, something like that. Or his mom played 
college volleyball. His mom was an Olympic 200-meter sprinter. Something along those lines, like if there's bloodlines, you know, um, or maybe, you know, has three brothers that played football, uh, that played college football, has a brother in the NFL. Just more stuff that you can go on and on or more stuff that you can go into. Maybe you look at someone like this, right? Maybe he's a high school senior. He's five foot eleven, two hundred pounds. But on his special note, dad is six eight, former college basketball player. Oh, okay. Well, maybe this kid's gonna grow big time once he gets here. Different things to throw into the recruiting cycle. Different ways to make a decision. More information. Um, also, I would like to see summer camps. How I said with the local players being an option, the summer camps as well. So it would be. Um, done in a way where you are given fictional high schools, fictional general generalized names. You pick one random high school that you want to play with, and it's exactly that. It is like a little mini uh, March Madness bracket type thing where you win your first game, win your second game, third game's the championship, something along those lines. Uh, and, and you can maybe find a local guy like that or someone that's not on the, the radar that way um, as another way to develop you know, recruiting talent, another way to develop your board, another way to go about it. Uh, keep the, recruit, uh, the recruiting option where you're able to create a recruit. Um, uh, that's always a big hit. Uh, definitely keep that. Um, and, and then another thing that I would like to see is if this game were to come back, a way where you could connect it from high school all the way through your pro career, right? So you start off playing your your high school summer of your senior year. So going into your senior year that summer, whether it's at a seven on seven camp, a team camp scenario, like I just mentioned, but you have a way to get on the recruiting radar going into your senior year, draw recruiting interest that way. And then once you start playing your first, second, third game, that's when schools start coming, talking to you, you can play whatever position you want. So you go through the recruiting cycle, you end up being a, a, however many star recruit, you get however many options, you make your decision as to where you want to go. Along the way, you can chop it down to your top eight, your top five, your top three. Maybe if they can work it out, you have one of the high school all-star games, whether it's the All-American Bowl or Under Armour, or they create their own fictional high school all-american game for this scenario where if you're selected to play in this game you can make your decision at halftime or something like that uh also having something where uh you can be honored as like the state player of the year or something along those lines whether it be like the gatorade player of the year usa today player of the year um Sports Illustrated, ESPN, the magazine, whatever, just some sort of way. So if it's an accolade, you know, where it could say that you won the high school player of the year, your senior year, and because it can follow 
all your accomplishments then through college. So whether you're a freshman All-American, first-team All-Conference, All-American, Heisman finalist, whatever it might be, you set the single-season record for touchdowns, passing yards, whatever. All that follows you. You're building your resume. And then, once you decide to go pro or graduate, you're able to transfer that over to Madden, pick up where you left off, and the first thing you're doing is you get to A, pick an agent, B, pick a training coach, so someone that's going to help you get ready for the combine, and C, a position coach, someone that's going to help polish your all-around game. Um, And that's going to be your workout scenario going into the senior bowl. So you get to pick your agent, your training coach for the combine, your position coach, and then you're going to have a a series of quick little challenges. You know, maybe it's throwing challenges if you're a quarterback, similar to the combine setup, where it'll give you a certain boost to your awareness or to your arm strength or to something going into the senior bowl so that way you're a little bit better right and then once you're playing in the senior bowl maybe it's two days of practice that you go through and then you get the game um and then you're given a report back on that where they think you're going to end up in the draft get one more chance at the combine go through very light drills you know maybe just throw the ball something like that to a couple of wide receivers on some of the routes that they do. But I would like to see running the 40, bench press, vertical, having them do some of the running events, right? Um, So using, you know, whether it's the joystick and the X button to turn and do the three cone, uh, maybe it's, you know, hitting the triangle button for the vert, um, you know, uh, holding R2 to start out of the 40, and then just, you know, tap in X a million thousand times for turbo or whatever it would be, but give you more hands-on experience in the combine, in the actual combine events, um, to build your draft stock. And then you are given the option for a pro day. You don't have to do it to yes or no, but if you do say yes to the pro day, it's something where You are given three NFL teams that come to watch you work out. They're the most interested in you. They get to ask you five questions, three questions, something like that. And then they put you through the workout that they want to see. So you have no idea what the first team is. So again, say you're a quarterback. Uh, The three teams that come to see you are the Raiders, the Dolphins, the Bills. So, you know, the Raiders ask you their five questions. They take you out onto the field. And they put you through um, a passing exercise against the cover two defense, right? And then the computer draws up a play for you, tells you, you know, what you need to do in that scenario against the cover two defense. And that's what the Raiders want to see. And then you're given a plus or a minus based on that scenario. So was your interview good and was your workout good? If yes and yes, you get a plus. 
If not, you get a minus, you know, or, or, or one, two, three, you know, a, a one is nothing was good. A two was one of them was good. A three is both of them was good, right? That way you can see how your draft stock goes up and down, up and down, up and down throughout the process. Um, and then say you are one of the top draft prospects, you're expected to go in the top 10. Being invited into the green room, I think would be a nice touch. Uh, just going more in depth, being able to really see that career through, follow it from the beginning, um, and even having the Hall of Fame be the final part of your career in Madden if you're able to hit whatever the metrics are based on your position, leaving you as one of the all-time greats. So that is what I would like to see if and when the NCAA College Football Series comes back and how I would like to see it operate and bleed into Madden. I am Craig Forrestal. This is That Sports Guys Podcast. Thanks for stopping by. Hey, everybody. Craig Forrestal. Thanks for tuning in and listening to another episode of That Sports Guys Podcast. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at that underscore sports underscore guy to catch all the latest updates and podcast episodes. Until next time, stay safe and be easy.